When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Great to have you in. It's Hale Bar City Radio, weekend edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and you know what? Uh, a marathon last night at Haymarket Park as Nebraska baseball able to get off on the right foot despite some adventures and uh, take it down 13-9. to We'll spend some time with... Husker baseball today, spring football in the thick of it. A busy return to practice for Nebraska. Of course, the Xavier Betts topic, uh, very prevalent today. And uh, we'll spend uh, the next couple of hours uh, getting you ready. We're not far off from April's uh, spring ball game. And uh, numbers to get in today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com, mark at hailvarsity.com, and can find us on Twitter at hailvarsity, at ESPN Lincoln. And then uh, for Elijah Herbal at... uh, Herbal Essence and at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me on Twitter is where you can find and follow us as well. Uh, coming up in the show in about 25 minutes or so, our rewind segment. Uh, Gary Barnett, some great insight on uh, spring football leadership and specifically uh, voices and peer uh, work. Uh, it's, it's an interesting era with uh, the, the transfer portal and what you can get from portal guys coming in and just uh, some of the uh, the realities of having to, to fight through uh, adversity as a player. It's easier now more so than ever for a guy to, to move on versus stick it out, and uh, it's not always the best thing. Sometimes it's a great option. Uh, in Hour 2, Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, uh, Vogues will be with us. Uh, some thoughts from him as uh, Nebraska's past the uh, the halfway point with spring football. And then uh, we'll check in with the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Doc was Sharpie. Uh, lots to, to get into with him. Sharpie was the play-by-play man. Uh, if you remember uh, back with uh, Dunk City, that's Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, when they made a, a fantastic run as a 15 seed, you're seeing that with the Fighting Peacocks of St. Peter's uh, as they uh, did work against Purdue last night. The NCAA tournament's been absolutely nuts. Craig, good to be with you this morning, man. How you doing? 
doing fantastic and you're right it has been nuts and it's been cool to watch and it's also been one of those things where it's like you know what it can happen in nebraska but if it can happen at st peter's if it can happen in jersey city it can happen in lincoln if it can happen in ames it can happen in lincoln right that's so it's been encouraging i guess in that way yeah it it, it has been uh it's it, it just if you're a Nebraska basketball fan and, and you've seen changes, we were both uh, gone last week, and there was a, a best of when we talked Nebraska basketball uh, towards the end of last week. Is when you had your changes with Matt Abdelmassi and, and Doc Sadler, uh, Nebraska trying to fill a spot. Uh, Nebraska also getting Sam Greasel, which is nice, really talented Lincoln kid. Uh, that uh, really thrived up at North Dakota State. So Nebraska able to go kind of in-state via the transfer portal or grad transfer route, which will be nice. More folks to go add on the the roster for Fred and company. But, Krenak, you're you're not wrong, man. If it can happen X, Y, and Z, it it could absolutely happen in Lincoln. You're just uh, wanting it sooner rather than later because – uh, you, you rewind back to uh, when Fred was hired and Fred's track record, and and he man he wants to be dancing too, <laughs> more so than anybody. And we'll see if Nebraska can uh, can get towards that direction because you and I both experienced it. We've covered it. Uh, there is nothing like a a state swelled up with pride when Nebraska's in the NCAA tournament when they have that special team. It puts a run together, and uh, it's it's a whole. Let's see if Nebraska can, first and foremost, just get competitive in the Big Ten, and it's it's not that far off where uh, you had the James Palmer squad that was right there for an NCAA tournament berth that ended up going to the NIT back in seventeen eighteen. Well, you fast forward to now, uh, it, it it may not have been that long ago calendar year wise, but it sure feels way longer ago compared to where Nebraska sits right now in the Big Ten. Did you, by the way, you saw it was Coach K picked up win number 100. You're right, in, in the NCAA the tournament. tournament. Yeah. In the tournament. And if so if you add all that up, you would have to, you'd have to get to the final four 25 years in a row just to equal that. <laughs> That's crazy. You'd have to get to the final four 25 years in a row just to get to that. And Nebraska's over here just looking for just one. Let's just, <laughs> just get one. there. Let's get there. So currently let's get pers- Duke let's get is perspective. infinity. Yeah, currently Duke is infinity times better than Nebraska ball. But even when they get number one, win number one, they'll be a hundred times better. <laughs> it just it really does put it into perspective. Well, and this is this is the, the salt that's been poured in the wound. And I don't know if this was from a Nebraska fan's account or just a evil college football writer. But, you know, Nebraska still winless in the NCAA tournament. St. Peter's 2-0 and or now 3-0 and <laughs> all-time in, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, with with their run this year, man, they've been fun to watch. They're a bit of a throwback, uh, based out of Jersey, like they are. Uh, I mean, I, I compare their setup and gym 
right? I mean, they're out of uh, MEAC, and that was Rick Pitino, Slick Rick's conference, where they go, God, I think 25-3 and three or something like that. But they don't win their, their league conference tournament, so they're out. It was St. Peter's that was in. You've seen teams like Manhattan or Iona or – I mean, those are the teams you're more familiar with from that conference that make the dance and might scare somebody. But it's it's almost like St. Peter's is from uh, from uh, from Rocky three, where uh, where where Rocky's got to go old school and and go uh, go train at Apollo's gym. That's the surroundings and environment St. Peter's is at. They're not loaded up with insane facilities. They just go recruit the state of New Jersey hard. They grind and earn it. And uh, New York. They are, yep. You're right. They are so gritty. So they've been really yeah, fun. I, I, I'm, but the Big Ten, to flip it around, has been an embarrassment this, uh, this NCAA postseason. It's been tough. And it's, it's not unlike the, really the, how, how football is built. You know, you have your Ohio State exception in football, and I think right now you'd have to say Michigan is maybe the exception in terms of just how you're built, quickness versus sort of brawn, Mm -hmm. right? And I know that's way oversimplifying it, but if you look at the the Big Ten's top teams, generally speaking, they're not going to out-quick you. They're not going to out-athlete you. They're just big, right? And they play really solid. Purdue being case in point, number one. Good ball players for sure. Um, but it's not a bunch of super athletic backcourts. That, that, and that's, that's not the style. That's not how they're going to take you down. Um, they're going to out-muscle you, out-rebound you, out-defend you. Um, they're going to play sort of disciplined brand of offense. I mean, generally, if you apply, that's kind of how you would describe the Big Ten. It's kind of how you describe them in football. It's how kind of how you describe them in basketball. And when it gets to tournament time, you get against teams that have athletic backcourts, and Big Ten teams struggle. I think Ohio State's kind of trying to build. You know, Fred has been trying to build a team that's athletic and up and down. Ohio State does the same. Michigan does the same in hoops, but you know. <laughs> The, the the other teams have not had success. the The style of the Big Ten has not lent itself to success in the postseason. No, don't don't disagree with you on that. And it's Dan Dockich is a guy that that is a lightning rod of controversy for some. But I think he's a pretty much straight-up truth-teller when it comes to Big Ten basketball. And and he was active last night, right? Granak, he's a he's an Indiana Bob Knight guy. And, and he threw out the question, is this the worst Big Ten loss in the NCAA tournament uh, when it comes to, to historically speaking? Because you're Purdue, you're giant, you've got an All-American, you've got the size, the strength, you, you've got – beef inside you've got three-point shooting outside you're the last freaking hope (laughs) for the league and you can't close the deal on on america's sweetheart the the fighting peacocks last night and immediately after the loss he's got his thumbs working and is this the worst law you know a little bit of uh gamesmanship there on dockage's part to get some engagement but 
He's seen a lot of NCAA tournament games, man, and you just can't do that. You can't get nine in and not get to a Final Four. I'm sorry, especially with the talent, with the number of All-American, first-team All-Americans you have. And it's it's not like it was Duke uh, caliber of teams taking out. No, I mean, Illinois looked brutal in both of their games. They were lucky to advance. Uh, Sparty uh, had a shot and really played pretty well against Duke. But, but didn't get it done. Michigan, uh, despite the regular season and controversy, uh, at least got to a Sweet 16. But it was really just a, 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 a just a, Big Ten's been doing this for a while, and it, we're going on you know 20 plus years of a national championship uh, for Big Ten basketball. It doesn't uh, sound it, like the it, same thing you're talking about with football, though, in terms of like bowl success postseason. Right, well, it's it's almost the exact same it's, discussion. It's 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 a little. You uh, was I'd say this: the Big Ten. Big Ten's better. Okay, there there had been between non-conference games, uh, where the Big Ten had get smoked and the bowl games for a while. Okay, I I would agree with you. I think it's a little bit better. I mean, in Ohio State's Ohio State, Purdue has been. Uh, you know, recent re- recently, I mean, Purdue had a really nice win against Tennessee in the in, in in the bowl season. Wisconsin's performed a lot better. Wisconsin was always a problem, Mark. They'd go open up against LSU and in in Jerry World or or play Bama or there's you know Wisconsin was a, was a main staple uh, to start the show start the season, and they they scored you know. 10 points, six points, something horrible. <laughs> and, and, and you know, have a defense that uh, took a, took a you know, 10 count. I mean, that kept them in it, but the offense was never good enough to do anything. And then they, they'd have a great season and then fall short. The Russell Wilson team that couldn't get it done in the, the Rose Bowl or, uh, you know, it's the Big Ten against somebody from the SEC in, in, a, in a Florida Bowl game, right? They, they would – not get it done. Wisconsin has performed better, uh, which which has been good. Uh, Penn State um, has been when they've been in the BCS setup has performed better. I know they lost the Rose Bowl to USC, but the Big Ten's been better in football. But there, there was a long stretch. You're right. Better. 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 But look look what's happened when they've gotten into the college football playoffs. Right. Aside like as, well, they, uh, aside from. Aside from Ohio State's championship, what about this? What about not this year, but what about last year? Blown out. What about last year? What about last year's Ohio State team that beat Clemson? Mm, They got got beat by three touchdowns by by Bama, but they still dethroned the champ. There's something to be said for that, I think. Completely. But but for the most part, the Big Ten team gets gets into the playoffs and gets embarrassed. Yeah, right? I mean, mi- that's that's my point. And and it's it's Michigan, sort of like la- Michigan, Michigan this year, the uh, the Sparty yeah. team, right? They got Sparty in the, the Nebraska yep. beat. They got rolled by uh, by Alabama, uh, Iowa embarrassed by uh, by Stanford and McCaffrey in the Rose Bowl. I mean, you're not despite far having off. really good records, despite having a really good regular season. You know, and kind of emerging from the from the pack within the Big Ten, but then when you put them up against the best of the best nationally, it doesn't. They they don't compete. 
And that's and that's sort of what you're seeing with basketball this year too. Mm-hmm. And it's what you've seen. That's what I'm saying. Is it's just sort of like the Big Ten's really good at being pretty good. They're, but it's just it seems very difficult for for the Big Ten to produce elite teams in football or basketball or for that matter baseball. <laughs> just you, you know. You just mm-hmm. don't like Ohio State has kind of been the outlier in football. They've been kind of the outlier. They're the ones that have been able to break through and, you know, be on the porch with an Ohio State or, or be on the porch with an Alabama and a Clemson and Oklahoma. They've been able to do that. They were able to do that under Meyer. I think those days are over, by the way. Um, uh, completely. But, <laughs> right? Like they just, the further Meyer gets away, further his influence gets away I think you'll start to see Ohio State take a step back from a very high perch they'll still be very mm-hmm. good but um, it's, outside of Ohio State football it just feels like it's the same story it's the same discussion that we're having about hoops this year that you that you could have almost every year in hoops and almost every year in football save for Ohio State football right? So It just, it so just the, not produce the top end teams it produces a bunch of really good teams it's a it's a quantity discussion, right? The the, the yeah. depth is is going to be the calling card, not the winning on that championship stage. You'll get there, but you won't close the deal. That's a bad reputation to have, and 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 not to kick you this morning, but you know this as a Braves fan, right? You grew up watching the Braves, uh, and and you loved your <laughs> your Atlanta squads. But you feel like you should maybe have a few more rings than just recently or the one from 95 with, with that pitching staff. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. seriously. It's, yeah, it's real similar. <laughs> it's real similar. It's just – and what is that? It, it doesn't it, – it's interesting that an entire conference can be known for that across multiple sports going on multiple decades now. <laughs> just it's crazy it's crazy but like yeah they don't it is in your best interest not to take a big 10 team far in the dance and the one team that does poke through is michigan yeah the, the, one, the one who didn't even get to 20 wins this year no they, they were maybe didn't even deserve to get to the dance <laughs> no i know they uh they underachieved all year and struggled and kind of flipped the switch when they needed to uh, in this postseason, by the way, after controversy. But uh, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, I was bummed out. I don't mind North Carolina, but I really like uh, Mick Cronin. And uh, UCLA just – they let that one get away. Uh, last night, that's what I was kind of focused on. Cranach, let's shift gears. Uh, let's touch on Husker baseball. Uh, Elijah, let's let's hear uh, the moment that Nebraska fans maybe put their their head in their hands last night. Now, first and foremost, great job by Nebraska baseball to go one and zero in conference play and figure it out. Get a thirteen to nine win. 
But, man, it was adventurous last night. The wind played a factor. And a Big Ten record happened last night. The great Larry Putney with the call on BTN. Yeah, we're talking four in a row. That's it well. High and deep in the right field. Going back up against the fence. And that is gone. Long gone. Home run by Matt Fry. And we are even here in Lincoln. Clark Elliott. He hits that well. That's into left field and deep, and that is gone. Back-to-back home runs for the Wolverines. And over. Cody Frank was certainly cruising along, and that one is hit well as well. Deep into center. There goes Sartori up against the wall. Gone. Back-to-back. To back. That's hit well into right field. And go back goes Anglum, and that's going to be gone. It is. It's a home run. Four. Four in a row, Kradak. It's like we're playing wiffle ball. Four in a row for Michigan. And I get a text from Elijah last night. He's like, are you watching? I'm like, I'm flipping back and forth between baseball and basketball. The mighty Wolverines back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back to back. I mean, we've got diarrhea of the mouth. Chris Berman style, back, 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 back. I mean, it, that doesn't happen ever, and no. it did last night. And thank God, and they hit another solo bomb last night in the ninth. <sighs> How about? It's, I mean, that, that, that's that's something that oh, oh you know, you, you want to talk about only in the Big Ten. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Uh, Tim emails in. I don't mind North Carolina. Come on. Listen, uh, I know uh, there's some of you that, that jumped on the heel bandwagon uh, and and looked very intelligent for doing so. But uh, to Nebraska baseball, hey, good for them. Good for the Big Red. Uh, this has been a frustrating year for Nebraska baseball, but maybe last night is something uh, to start uh, some momentum, start a run, Cranach. But for you don't often win a ball game if you give up back-to-back home runs. It's kind of like the old blocked punt and special teams in a football game, right? You you give up a safety or a special teams faux pas, you statistically don't win the game. It's too big a momentum shift. And you give up back-to-back home runs, that's a major energy drop. But you give up four in a row, good God. <laughs> Credit Nebraska for coming back. I'd be the guy that's on the hill giving up four in a row, probably. It's isn't it funny too? Just the things that Nebraska fans have had to endure. That how many firsts we've seen, you know, with the football <laughs> team, with the basketball team this year. It's like, I mean, quite literally, mathematically, like the best three and nine team ever. You know, uh, basketball. I mean, where do you even start with expectations versus reality there? <laughs> And then you sort of pin all your hopes on the baseball program. Like, okay, at least Bolt's got it all figured out. This is baseball team's got it figured out, and they are on the struggle bus. Good, good that they got the W last night, but uh-huh. oh, it's just men's athletics is just in this deep dark hole, and things need to be sacrificed. And I don't know what it is, but we need to find out what it is. <laughs> we, and they need to get sacrificed to the to the sports gods or whatever <laughs> to get this thing right. And look, you have a chance 
on the in the baseball program to uh, you know you're going to be sort of settled in now to just the Big Ten part of the schedule. And I don't care what anybody says, but it, look, it, maybe they got to practice outside a couple times or whatever. But there is something to you know a slow start when you're a cold weather team. That's just uh, that you sort of expect. Um, but you don't expect giving up 20-plus runs like Nebraska did last weekend uh, and losing, what was that, 21-2 to two or something? Like, just come on. 21-4. Yeah. yeah, like what is happening? Like wh- why? What is going on? Uh, but good that they do get the W last night. Um, but, of course, they get one, like you are saying, and they give a back-to-back-to-back-to-back home run, and I'm not stuttering there. Like that's just really what happened. Four players in a row, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know. Is there, by the way, it's it's remarkable the levels of futility, actually, that the men's programs have had over the past couple years. Like, what would you really attribute that to? And I know that's longer, probably a longer segment, um, it, it, but it's really it's, incredible. It's, it's here's what when, it is. When you compare it, the recruiting, when you uh, on on all those sports, when you compare the recruiting and rankings and level of talent and level of support, it's remarkable that you would perform that badly across all three. Like, it just doesn't add up. It completely adds up. You have a coaching change every three or four years. So do other programs, though, Chris. That you know. Well, but programs well, change coaches. No, they do. But you've had this same rut that a team's been stuck in, never achieving. You're chasing glory, but never achieving past glory. And we can we can talk about basketball's its own deal, right? I I, I do not have uh, the Ouija board out to to figure out why basketball is what it is. I I, I just don't, right? I I have I'm speechless you get new facilities you get a new practice facility you get some pretty good players in here but it's it's not the the magic of the the knee era where you and i saw it man i mean you're going to the tournament four straight years you're going five out of seven and you did it with in-state kids and you did it with some really good recruiting and they were in a, a nice league with the, the Big Eight. I mean, Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Missouri, squad. You know, uh, they were in that that neighborhood, and they were still super competitive. Iowa State, of course, were with Johnny Orr. But for football, I mean, Tennessee's not gotten back to the the Peyton Manning type era, right? Uh, Miami's been a far cry. Maybe Miami's finally got it right. Maybe maybe Tennessee's finally got it right on the gridiron. Maybe uh, maybe Texas has finally got it right. I mean, so those are the those are those are the other schools that are in constant change. Uh, LSU's had some turnover um, just with with where they're at. Same with Florida, right? I mean, Florida has been through quite a few coaches as has Florida state, you know, with, with, uh, with, with Bowden and Jimbo and not as much, but those are the, those are the colleges that, that come to my mind that are similar to Nebraska as far as that it's been a revolving door where you don't win or you don't win quick enough or you don't win the big game. So let's hit reset and, 
Uh, rarely have you upgraded with uh, the change you've made, okay? Uh, Ohio State ha- has seemed to be all right between the, the Trestle, Urban, and, um, and and what they're doing with uh, with Coach Beard now. So they, they've survived it. But that's that's about it. There's never been a transition point where, okay, yeah. I mean, Bo really seemed to to go and and do well with what he inherited, and then build on 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 what he inherited, and and still do okay, but but not like reach that pinnacle. You know what I mean? It was time. Oh, you're not winning enough, so it's time to move on. And then you really it was have a major. It had, was just because he was, a, you know. Well, it was he, a personality. He was, he thing. was mean, and I, of course, I, didn't I, like that. I will take mean and wins. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying that's why he was fired. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but but the point is, is you go from that to to uh, to to what you got, and now you're you're in year four with with Coach Frost, and I think at least where they're at right now, as we go to spring football a little bit, I feel a lot better just because of. The uh, the changes that, that he made with with the Mickey Joseph and a, and a Bill Bush, just from a recruiting standpoint. But I think those guys will be really good in their respective rooms, and this can transition us into to Xavier Betts a little bit. Cranach, you're a Bellevue West guy. Uh, you're yeah, you're we're up a in Omaha. Us receivers. Uh, yes. <laughs> Did you play? You played wide out. JV. Okay. No, that's. <laughs> Started JV JV. Okay, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but so there's no, a that's brother all right. that I, I can't so who was, I feel with Xavier. Who was throwing uh, the, you the football? Who? Yeah, who was throwing oh. you the football back in the oh, mid nineties? Shane Bowers. Okay. Yeah. Were you nice to Shane? Did you take him to to, to Arby's to make sure you got the Shane ball thrown your cool. way? True okay. story. He ended up coaching. He ended up coaching Tim Tebow at Nice High School in Florida. Really? As an as an assistant. He was an assistant coach. He was quarterback's coach, and Tebow came up through the ranks while he was there. And he <laughs> coached Tebow. Yep. True Pretty story. good. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that one's loaded with Xavier Betts. And uh, that that's the, another thing that I was, I was starting to research yesterday, and I didn't have the exact numbers, but just the amount of four-star talent that Nebraska – ends up shedding somehow mm-hmm. all different reasons it's, it's a good word shedding reasons, but it's an it's a it's incredible it's i mean it's to the point where it's like don't recruit four stars anymore they don't stay and of course that's ludicrous you're going to recruit the best talent you can get but once you get them at nebraska they do not stay it's just period D- different reasons they're all individuals some were homesick. Some were, you know, maybe not good enough. Some got injured, never got over it. Some, I, I don't know. I've, the I've got a, they don't stay. No, they don't. And Greg Smith, our, our dear friend at Hale Varsity, recruiting insider, his story, uh, HaleVarsity.com, details this. How would you feel about 71% of, yeah, Coach, Fro- of Coach Frost's high school receivers have left the program early. That's a C. That's that's Schmidt cheating off the right kid in, in high school science class to get a C 
on the on the midterm. Seventy one percent of high school receivers leaving Left. the program early. So twenty nine percent have stayed. That's an F, brother. <laughs> so, you were look, I like the how you. Way. Uh, I, I, I can think see you're why right. You did what you did in math. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving forward. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, that was just awful. Uh, erase that tape, Elijah. Uh, Wandale Robinson, Darian Chase, Marcus Fleming, bets all four star prospects. The rest three star players. And they were all handpicked to help run this high-powered attack uh, that Frost brought from Central Florida. So Nebraska tallied 136 receptions from the 14 high school wideouts recruited by Frost. 123 of those catches were from Wandale and Betts. So they, once they got here, they didn't even perform that well. Uh, you, you feel better about Omar Manning? But you got to see it for a full season. Uh, Toure and Oliver Martin are guys that are transfer guys. Uh, and you're on your third receivers coach in a fourth season now. Uh, when you look at uh, Walters gone, Lubick gone, and now you have Mickey coming in. Uh, the, the good news, you hope, is that some of the kids that are part of the 2022 class get here, stay, and develop. And then you uh, you get a lot out of this room because I think there's talent there. Cranach with bets. I think this is a situation where Scott and staff get hammered a lot. And you mentioned the 29%. I think the guys down at, at Denton and Vine have done everything in their power to try and get a guy like Betts the opportunity and the support to, to thrive. I don't know him. I don't know his situation. I just know that the the staff and the head man are mindful of of all the kids. I mean, they they, they are they're trying to make it work. And and it, my read on it, and we'll hear more from Gary Sharp on this here next hour. It just kind of comes down to a guy that maybe may be done with football because he's just done with football. And yeah. there's nothing that anybody could have done, and that's just that's just his specific situation. Uh, they've got to they've got to be better at finding guys that will be able to grind through it and help them grind through it. But that's a crapshoot. I don't think it's an oh, effort yeah. issue on the staff or the head man. I mean, they're going after what they think fits talent wise, uh, and and I think you need the attitude and the mentality that Mickey's bringing in that receiver room. I mean, I think that's the dude that I feel great about on this staff, and I feel really good about the changes again. But I think Mickey's the – Mickey and, and Bush are the home runs, and I think Applewhite's – I mean, look at look at Yant, kind of look at his buy-in at the running back spot, and I don't know. I mean, it sounds like the O-line's doing all right with, with Riola. You, you got to see it during the fall. But there's just there's just not a – there's not much to do here other than, than hope Bents comes around and says, yeah, man, I miss football. I want to play ball again. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's something something intrinsic there, you know, because you do really have to commit at a pretty deep level if you want to play Division One football, unless you are the most talented person on the planet. You know, it's just – and he is talented. But, yeah, you gotta you got to really lock in. you got to live a super disciplined life. you got to do – 
you know, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily. It's a mm-hmm. big commitment. And some folks want to do it, some don't. There was that kid from Omaha North who was the center. Um, his name escapes me right now. But really good oh, player, I know. too. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I get you. Ended up stepping away. But And so, look, like on each individual case, you don't look at it as an indictment on the staff. But when you look at it collectively over time, mm-hmm. I mean, look, look at like the 20 – what is it, 2020 class? Listen to some of these names. Sevion Morrison, Henry Gray, Keyshawn Green, Jaden Francois, Marcus Fleming, Nadab Joseph. Those are all four stars mm. that came and that are not here anymore. All for I'll different reasons yeah. and whatever. I'll, but hello, that's a lot. You know, and that was the 2020 class, and you can do the same thing on the 2019 class. You can do the same thing on the 2021. Desmond Bland, Jackson Hanna, Jamie Nance. Uh, see who else we got here. Jakeem Green. Those are your. Those are some of your four stars not here from the 2019 class. The one guy that's gone on to thrive elsewhere has been Wandale. True. I mean, the rest of you, you've not seen uh, success elsewhere. Now that you don't wish that that they have success. Absolutely, you want the kid to go thrive and perform. <clears throat> Excuse me, but you, you've not. It's not been a. Uh, to reference Russell Wilson, you know, winning five ball games at NC State and then bang, you move on somewhere else. And here's a Rose Bowl. You haven't seen that type of situation yet. Let's uh, no. get a timeout and uh, we'll, we'll pick this discussion back up on bets with uh, with Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp. Next hour, rewinds on the way with Gary Barnett. Some great insight on you know, what you do in the portal uh, if you're a coach from Coach Barnett. That's on the way. Weekend edition continues. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk with Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett. Coach, how's the week? Uh, it's been a great week. I've had my uh, three grandkids in from uh, Evanston, Illinois, and pickleball, basketball, swimming, golf, pickleball, basketball, swimming, <laughs> golf. So we've been doing everything. Does grandpa slash coach let, I wouldn't say let them win, do they challenge you at golf or is this a friendly round? No, no. They got to learn to lose and fight to learn how to win. So no, depends on which one I'm playing. You know, you got to bring them along a little bit. So each one's got a little different personality. I got one that just will die before she'll let you win. That's all right. Yeah, it's, it's Fun to watch that develop. Coach, uh, question here, and Nebraska is back in the swing of things with spring football. Wanted to ask you, how vocal did you encourage your quarterbacks be or demand they be? I think I just let that unfold. When they do it and it's not natural, kids pick up on that. The other players pick up on that. Now, I think it's got to be a natural thing, Chris. I don't uh, – he learns how much – in control he wants to be and needs to be the quarterback I'm talking about and he needs to discover his own voice and he needs to discover his own way of influencing others and what's the best way to do it and he also needs to uh, um, discover how each person um, is motivated in a different way and so you know you can work with him on, on that let them understand how other guys view things and how they are motivated and what 
what kinds of criticism they take. You can explain that, but I think you've got to let him discover his own. That, that discovery learning is the most valuable. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, the, the topic of voice and leadership's pretty prevalent in spring. It's a storyline. You have a new voice and, and leader at quarterback with Casey Thompson. Hasn't obviously won the job yet, but is getting really good reviews. And specifically from his voice and leadership and the extra work he's doing before and after with the wide receivers at chemistry development it has been noticed by some of the, the guys that are holdovers in that receiver room. So that's that's really cool to see. And just from accounts, Casey's a pretty natural leader, but it's it's an example thing, not a holier-than-thou type thing. And you mentioned motivation. Is there a player that that was unique to you when it came to, to not only understanding how they kind of ticked, but as far as motivating? I mean, is there a player in your coaching history that you really – I don't know, maybe you had to, to kind of hammer away to connect to, but once you did, it, it really flourished. Well, I, I truly believe every kid gets um, is motivated differently. Yeah. And it's your, you know, it's as a coach, it's your job to sort of figure out what that is. Now, you can help yourself along, and I had – uh, one of the questionnaires I always did with the players was, tell me what you think motivates you best. I wanted to know, uh, and tell me what motivates you, you know, what's least motivating to you. And so I wanted to sort of get their take on what the, it didn't mean that that was necessarily the right answer. It might not be really the way they're motivated, but it's interesting to find out to me um, what each guy thinks it is, or maybe what he's been told it is, or what it is he can't take. Um, but I always wanted to know that, so I could, especially the ones that really struggled with criticism, because you know you you, you don't want to go there if you can avoid it, and you want to make sure that you you go right to the edge, but you don't cross that line. So I, I really did believe that. And still do that. Every every student athlete is is a, motivated a little bit differently. And uh, you know, my saying was always, "You treat them all fairly, but not the same." <laughs> and it's because of that. Uh, it's 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 because they are, you know, they don't all handle it the same way. And you know, I I heard a great quote once that I've always tried to incorporate in my coaching. It says. You don't handle players; you handle luggage, and so uh, that—that's the way I look at it. I don't feel like I handle them; I feel more like I work with them, and and I remind myself. I would remind myself constantly. I had a little saying in my office that said that. So, um, but you know, all of us do it differently. I mean, each coach is as different as every one of these student athletes are. So, um, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what works and it's, you don't have all the answers and all the best answers right away. You discover them as you go through the process. And that's why, you know, to me, that's a point of the portal is you don't have a chance student athlete, nor the coach has a chance to really discover what works best between the two of them in one year. You know, some you do, some you figure out right away, some you 
you know, um, and they figure you out. But that process is as important. And nobody ever talks about that because it's, it's not tangible. Mm. It's not out there. It's not something you can measure. There's not a speed on it. There's not a height on it. So, but that sort of stuff. And that, that's what you learn going through college through those four or five years that you're in school with somebody and in a program is you really discover yourself and you have to go through all these challenging issues uh, to really discover yourself. So if, if you will keep avoiding them uh, with one transfer after the other, you, you, you're eventually going to learn it, but you, you have a chance to learn a lot quicker by staying in the same place and learning uh, how to live within the limits and find out who you really are in that process. So, uh, but that's just, that's just me. That's my thoughts on it. No, I appreciate the insight on that. I, you know, it's, it's uh, a topic to discuss just because of how easy it is to hit reset with the, the portal and it can be really good and it can be, delayed when it comes to to finding yourself. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity. Coach, uh, a thought on the athletic story on Urban Meyer. Did you see that this week? I did. And what'd you think? I'm waiting to hear what's coming next. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, it just, some guys just don't transition to the NFL uh, that well. Urban's apparently one of those cases. But man, it was pretty detailed where coaches and players uh, just unleashed just unleashed. I think Urban's story, while it's, it is unique and while it's really hard to read and take in some levels, but uh, I, I do believe that, that the overall concept of lack of control or loss of control going from college to the pros is the single biggest issue that all college coaches uh, have when they make the move from the NFL, from the college to the NFL, and that's why it's a really hard thing for them. I mean, you can read that story, and and aside from all the really ugly things that are in that story, you could throw in Steve Spurrier, you could throw in uh, uh, Lou Holtz, you can throw in Nick Saban, you can throw in um, uh, Bobby Petrino, you can throw in a lot of names that when you read, dust off all the ugly stuff, mm-hmm. it, it's the same thing. It's lack of control. You don't have control in the NFL. To me, that was what was really important. I mean, reading all the details of the urban story, you know, you, you just squirm in your seat reading it. You go, oh, man, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Well, uh, and that's, you know, basically that all got exposed now. You know, back when Steve Spurrier was tried it, and Lou and Nick, you know, we didn't have so much access to so much information that went in to the day-by-day uh, issues of of the coaches, and there weren't there weren't there wasn't these magazines and these articles. So, uh, who knows? That could have come out. You certainly hope not that way, but it certainly could have. So, I think that's just that's just typical of the struggle that I think coaches go through. You have to have so much control in college. Uh, one, it's a controlling game. Somebody asked me, uh, I think it was my daughter asked me the other day, she said, did, 
did you like coaching basketball? I said, no, there wasn't enough control. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's true of football coaches. I mean, you have to control everything. You, you, you're responsible for controlling everything. And when the play changes every 30 seconds and, um, you know, everything comes to a stop for 20 seconds and then it starts back up with another play, you, you've got to understand uh, the importance of, every one of those situations and you have to have some degree of control and information about everything that could take place in the next five seconds. So, um, that, and you learn that becomes your life and the way you live your life. So, uh, making that move to the NFL where you don't have that kind of control, um, you've got to learn to give it up and you got to learn to, um, you know, to give veteran players, uh, they're just due and uh, their responsibilities. So it's, uh, I think that's always been the struggle between college coaches and, and the NFL. Coach, last thought, if enough time passes, does he coach again? Oh, you know, in this day and age, I don't know. I don't, I would think it'd be really hard. Uh, I don't know what administrator can <laughs> sit there and go in front of a press conference and say, uh, we're hiring Urban Meyer despite all the things that you read from all these people. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you win that press conference and there aren't a lot of ADs willing to lose a press conference right away. So I don't, I think it's really hard uh, to do that. And, and what Urban's got to realize and all of us do that get fired is that, you know, you live through these dark days and they make you better. And, uh, you know, I hope he t- approaches it that way. Yeah. And others approach it with him that way. And others look at it that way. You'll get through this and you, you got a chance to change everything that's happened if you want to change it and, and go from there. Gary Barnett with us. Yes or no, would you have traded Tariq Hill? Well, there's got to be something inside there. I don't know. They got a. They got a whole uh, schooner full of money for in in uh, draft picks, et cetera. So maybe it's just time. You know, everything has a start and a beginning, and it's sort of like Bitcoin. When it gets up there, yeah, you better sell it while it's worth it because it's going to fall off the next week. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I have to talk to Eric and see just what's up with that uh, the enemy. But um, whew. I hate to lose that guy. Oh, man. he's Him and Mahomes, I mean, that scramble drill, good luck stopping it. Good, it, it hasn't been stopped the last five years. It's been incredible. No, no, no. Coach, enjoy time with the fam. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, Chris. Great being with you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it at Tower 2, weekend editions here, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Plenty to get into this hour with Husker Spring Football, Husker Baseball, NCAA Tournament. The dance has been, well, uh, a rave. It's been um, incredible, topsy-turvy, and uh, you have the uh, the Peacocks capturing the nation's heart. We'll see if they keep on 
strutting moving forward. We welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us this morning, that Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Folks, how's the morning? Thanks for the time. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. We have tried to solve the world's problems this morning, but we have been unable to to solve the Big Ten's problems. So let's start there. Why do you think the Big Ten just has a tough time when it gets to winning time, i.e. performing better in the NCAA tournament when you get nine teams? You had eight teams last year. And, and also on the football stage. It's been a long time since, uh, well, Ohio State's rock and roll. Yeah, it's an interesting, <laughs> a tough problem to solve. I mean, for this year's basketball tournament in particular, you know, it's it's been a little bit chaotic. Um, we've got one one seed still alive, which is you know, <laughs> not not a not a common occurrence, I guess, would be the way to put that. So, when you're the Big Ten, you got nine teams in. Inevitably, you've got a handful of pretty highly seeded teams. Um, but, I mean, we talked about it on Thursday. Purdue had a dream scenario to kind of get to the Final Four. Um, so that one stings in particular. You know, I wonder, would you kind of loop in football to this discussion and the Big Ten? You know, we can we can talk about the weekly grind that it is, particularly in football, though that's true in basketball. I wonder, and, you know, this is kind of, I think, Somebody who didn't grow up in the Big Ten, you know, as Nebraska is kind of still the new guy. If if you grew up in Michigan or Ohio, this is probably different. But I still have this view of Big Ten being very insular. And, you know, in college football, whether it was the Bull Alliance or then the BCS, you know, the Big Ten was just like, well, we just the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl. And I still get that feeling from it. And I wonder if it's just an outsider view, but the Big Ten does seem to – put a lot of stake in being in the Big Ten, winning the Big Ten. And it's hard because these programs, they, you know, they're some of the biggest programs in college athletics. They're all operating on a relatively level playing field, particularly in a conference TV network era. And I wonder if that isn't part of it because the SEC is a grind football-wise week in and week out, yet I don't, we don't see those teams kind of struggle. I feel like there's just a broader – approach to winning the ultimate the last game that you can play in the sec then i get then i get from the big 10 brandon vogel is with us on hail varsity radio hey um quick step aside from from the tournament want to touch on uh, trev alberts and his radio appearance uh this week where he of course touched on a, a number of things um but one that's kind of in your wheelhouse i think in terms of the brand in general and the implication on uniforms. And it's the second time that we've heard him complain about, he doesn't think Nebraska has been very good about establishing a look and an identity across all sports or maintaining the integrity of it. And then on top of that, um, the field turf decided it's not going to be a two-tone turf. It's being replaced right now. It's going to be a solid color green. Um, and the markings are going to be largely the same. Your, your, your thoughts on, on Trev and what he wants to do to, I guess, preserve uh, and amplify Nebraska's core look across sports, and what do you think that will be? Is it the script Huskers 
And is it the Sans Serif Inn? <laughs> or is it the uh, more blocky <laughs> inn that we've seen? Um, well, I will I will hope it is the Sans Serif and uh, I think referred to internally as the football end. But that's that's kind of the problem. And I think that's one of those things. And this is something I would actually preserve if I were Trev Alberts because I generally agree with him. You know, it's it's pretty varied. You know, watching Nebraska baseball last night, and if you watch, you know, Michigan's catcher has, has a winged catcher's helmet. And I know that's like an individual choice, but Michigan hockey, like you see these Michigan sports kind of pull in all these football pieces of it. And, that, you know, that's a little bit of what doesn't happen in Nebraska. And I'm not saying it needs to, but I really love Nebraska's logo. It's the football logo, the logo that's on the football helmet. I know a lot of people prefer the block end. And I think that works great for, for all the other sports. Nebraska's football helmet stands out because it simply is just this, you know, fairly stark and plain sans serif and like almost, I, I can't think of schools that, that kind of go that route on their helmet. So that's one worth preserving. I think beyond that specific example, you could use a little bit more unity, a little bit more consistency. Um, the script Huskers mark has, has never been my favorite. Um, but it seems like people really like that. Uh, it connects Nebraska to uh, a previous era, a, a very successful era. So I could see that one sticking around because it's as good as that the iron end is, the, the block end, um, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out a ton, you know? I mean, what's the difference between that and, and Michigan's M or all of these other schools? So, so that's kind of a tough part. If you want to stand out a little bit, maybe that script Huskers mark is the way to go. As for the turf, a uh, big fan of the, the monochrome look. Not that the, the two-tone turf looks bad. It just feels, you know, I don't know if there's there's big trends in in field design, but two tone feels like oh, that was, that was, that's what you did, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago. Now we're just going to go back to kind of the old school look. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And by the way, that's like a double fake. You know, when you go two tone on the turf, like I already know it's turf. That's fake. Oh, now you're going to two tone it like you're mowing it differently. Come on, that's like double fake. <laughs> Vogues, did you ever get into the uh, acquisition of of some uh, some field turf back in the day, the AstroTurf, right? You could show up at any Husker sports shop, uh, memorabilia store, and undoubtedly there'd be a, a swath of the winningest AstroTurf in college football history. Did you dive in on that as a kid? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, you know, I've seen those little squares of turf, um, that, you know, not just Nebraska, but various other places. The only, the only turf-related memorabilia I, I acquired was uh, when we went to Chicago in, like, 1993, so I'm mm-hmm. 13 or 14. Um, we, we went to Soldier Field. For whatever reason, we could get in, and, like, it was, like, totally open. And we were right down there. There's there's a fence, so you couldn't just go onto the field. But I definitely uh, reached my hand through the fence, plucked a few blades of grass from the Soldier Field turf, and kept those in a vial in our refrigerator for I don't know how long. I mean, at some point, my mom must have gotten rid of them. But <laughs> definitely had a few blades of grass from Soldier Field. 
Have you done that throughout, kind of like the scene in Private Ryan, right, where, you know, there's different uh, soil collections from, from, the, from the different regions of, of the, 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 the theater in Europe? I forget the actor's name, but he does not have a good uh, rap sheet. But you know where I'm going with this. I mean, have you collected blades of grass at other stadiums? Well, I, I would like to, but the problem is, is that don't play the grass anymore. <laughs> you, got, you got Northwestern and, and Purdue, and that's, that seems to be about it. Um, I guess Penn State, right? Nebraska hasn't been there in a while. Um, so Notre Dame, too. Yeah, I, so. I, I, I like the idea. You know. Good enough. Vogues, let's go to spring football. Uh, we'll get to, to Yant. I should say uh, bets in a moment, but I want to focus on Yant and kind of his transformation, uh, not just from a body standpoint, but just the work that Apple White's been doing with him. Uh, what, 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 what did you think of some of Yant's comments from earlier in the week? Well, he, you know, kind of, I think, displayed outwardly the, you know, devotion that I think it takes to, to really succeed at this level, because, you know, we know from coach's comments, that's why he didn't see the field earlier. Um, when he did see the field, like you notice the size immediately, but then when he gets to carry the ball, you know, the Northwestern game this year was a great example of that. You see like just the, the athleticism and the talent there. And it's a really intriguing package. If you can just get it to kind of, it's optimal point of like, here's where you don't give up a lot of your, your physical advantages, but this is also the place where you can take most advantage of the skills that, that, that you have. And, you know, this is one of those where you're going to have some guys who you bring in a new position coach and, and maybe it doesn't mesh and maybe it doesn't work for, for certain guys, but you're also going to have guys like this where I think it has that potential um, and I'll say I've been pretty impressed, you know, just listening to, to Apple White's availability throughout this spring with, with his approach. I, I, you know, I don't know all of it. You only get to see a, a fraction of things, but it seems pretty detail oriented, pretty process focused. Um, so, so I'm, I'm intrigued to, to see Nebraska's running backs, you know, not just at the spring game this year, but then going into to next year, because I think they, they might've hit on something there with the coach that they chose to bring in. And, and, you know, it's clear that Nebraska, they've got Anthony Grant, the, the praise for him has been pretty strong so far, but you've also got this existing running back room. So somebody has got to come out of there. Nebraska could use a back that when times get tough and you need to absolutely need to pick up a third down, um, you got to have a guy that you can go to. And, and it's been a while since Nebraska's had one of those sure bets in the backfield. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You talk about sure bets and in the recruiting world, four stars are generally considered sure bets. And then there's Xavier Betts. Wow, there's a lot of word association going on here. Um, it's it's remarkable, though, Brandon, and I'm wondering if there is something we can point to. Is it evaluation? Is it development once they get here? Is it luck? But Nebraska's batting average on four stars, once you get them here, and turning them into contributors that stay is horribly low. 
you look at the 2021 class and you had three four stars you had Prohaska this is bad luck this is the luck part of it Prohaska he's hurt Fedoni rumors that he's hurt Hohili he's already transferred right then you go to the 2020 class and there's all those Florida guys that came in that were four stars that have all transferred away look at the 2019 class you got Jackson Hanna Jamie Nance uh, Wandale uh, <laughs> Jakeem Green you know folks that just end up transferring out not contributing very very much desmond bland was a guy that never even showed up um it's crazy how little production nebraska gets out of those top end recruits and is there anything that we could chalk it up to is it a combination of things and what what does that mean for nebraska going forward is because you're you can never really be in a position where it's like you just stop recruiting talent um, but it's really crazy how little Nebraska gets in return, which kind of, you know, as you talk about recruiting, right, it makes recruiting rankings just a really a, a pointless exercise. Like it doesn't matter what Nebraska's recruiting rankings was on any given year because the guys don't stay. Yeah. And I mean, and this is something having looked at, attrition you know really like starting in 2011 so the big 10 era like it's kind of the case for nebraska at nebraska you know the higher recruit gets up the recruiting rankings they're the, the more likely they are to not finish their career at nebraska and i mean the same things have the same thing happens with the further away you get from Nebraska. So, you know, a New Jersey recruit, a Florida recruit. And, and a lot of times those two things are, are not totally independent, right? Like if you're, if you're getting a four-star team, Nebraska, you know, a lot of times, I mean, Betts is an exception, an exception, which, you know, I think really places an increased focus on players like him. Um, but a lot of times you're having to go outside of Nebraska to get that. So, so I do think it's a little bit of confluence of factors there. Um, I, I think that there's something to be said. So, so all of these football programs kind of have a recruiting range, right? And Nebraska's top end is sort of most of the time is kind of that mid four star. You know, Alabama's top end is the top end of college football. Um, the good programs, like you have to find a way to to keep those that that top end. Like if that's the best you can recruit getting production out of those players is, is vitally, vitally important. But, but I do think, you know, once you're dealing with that top end that you just have to deal with a couple of other things. So that player, if they're a four-star recruit, you know, they've been told they're pretty good for, for a long, long time. And if they come in and you don't see that success right away, not only is that a little bit tougher to deal with than the player who came in and everybody thought, well, you can't play at this level. And all of a sudden you show that you can, you know, it's just a, a very different, different kind of starting point. And then also if, if you are that highly valued as a high school prospect, you're going to have more options. And I think that's where the transfer portal comes into this um, of late is, you know, it, it it just it accelerates the timeline there. Like if you're, you're like, hey, I was a four-star recruit. I was the best recruit Nebraska signed, and I came in and I couldn't get on the field right away. You know, this is a hypothetical example, not talking about anything specific. You're going to have a lot of suitors, um, and so I think Nebraska's getting caught up a little bit. This this has been something that they've dealt with for a while. Um, 
and also the, the current era that we're in even makes it a little bit easier for, for players to leave, for Nebraska to lose some of their top guys. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter's where you follow him. Vogels will wrap, and, you know, we don't have any insight right now as to how and if the meeting went with uh, with Betts and, and Frost, but do you – do you think that there's this is done, or do you think there's I think that door's still open for a return? Um, I, I assume it would be. I mean, I, I I was a little bit surprised, you know, to to hear the report that, that they were planning to meet on Friday. That seemed you know pretty pretty quick after the you know what seemed like the timeline of of this happening. So I don't think you know if, if Nebraska remains in a spot where they're like, do what you need to do. Like, go sort out what needs to be sorted out, and it will be here if you want to come back. Like, there's no real rush here. Um, yeah, missing spring ball for a player that's still as early in his career as, as Xavier is, you know, perhaps not ideal, but we've, we've seen the talent level. Um, so I, I, I don't think Nebraska needs to be in a hurry to get this sorted out. And I don't, I don't really know if, if Nebraska is the one who can sort it out. Um, their role right here, in, in my opinion, is probably just to, to be supportive and try to find the best solution for, for everyone involved. Vogues, what's coming up from you and uh, the crew at Hale Varsity here in the near future? Yeah, ramp it up towards uh, spring game, of course. Uh, well, Big Ten baseball is, is in effect. Uh, <laughs> late one at the ballpark last night, but but a fun one if you if you enjoy crazy baseball. So we'll have all of that throughout the weekend, um, pushing towards our April issue. And early yearbook discussions have begun as well. Uh, had, a, <laughs> had a planning meeting on that just yesterday. So that's always a, a fun time of year. Uh, it's time to start turning our focus to to the biggest magazine we put out each year. Um, so looking forward to that. It's going to be going to be a lot of football from, from here on out, even though it may seem like we're, we're drawn to the end of, of spring football at least. Well, good enough. Vogue's great stuff this morning. Thanks for taking time and, and uh you know we'll uh we'll we'll amp up that that turf slash grass collection for you moving forward yes thank you <laughs> thanks brandon brandon vogel with us we'll uh step away quick time out here hour two it's hail varsity weekend chris schmidt mark Rainack, elijah herbal uh, the iron horse uh, on deck here gary sharp will join us hail varsity we're presented by the nebraska lottery Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good morning. Were you uh, late into the night at the ballpark? How are you? Uh, no. No baseball, more basketball. Um, and I'm probably glad that I was not at Haymarket Park. My, I enjoyed uh, what was on the uh, hard court more than what was on the uh, diamond. 
You have a history with uh, March and Cinderella uh, with your time with uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Before we get into spring football, Sharpie, what do you think uh, of the old Peacocks, and do they remind you a little bit of uh, Dunk City? Well, it's a little bit different. Um, You know, kind of similar where no one knows much about you and you get hot at the right time. Uh, But St. Peter's is, like, unique. You know, no no one expected them to make this kind of run. And think about it. They could go through North Carolina Duke to get to the national championship game. Uh, you know, they got, they got hot at the right time. They won their conference tournament. They got in, uh, and they've taken advantage of it. And they're scary. The thing, the thing you're seeing, especially this time of year, when you watch like an Arkansas or a Houston, teams that are confident and don't flinch are tough to knock out, regardless of if you're a 2 or a 15 seed or a 1 and a 16. And, you know, it's enjoyable. Uh, they are a little salty. So I don't know if people are like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Love them. They're so likable. But you have a guy named Doug with a mustache and a coach who has got some swag. And, you know, I tweeted out last night, guys, we could be in a situation where Duke wins today against Arkansas, St. Peter's knocks off North Carolina tomorrow, and St. Peter's could end Coach K's career just like we all thought. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's some divine intervention, right? I mean, <laughs> think well, about that. So, you know, guys, yesterday was National Peacock Day. I went and I, I looked. There is no, like, Feast of St. Peter tomorrow, so maybe North Carolina is going to be okay. <laughs> we'll see, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but th- that'd be right if you're Coach K and it's been this this love fest, right, and, and even the hour-long torture session after losing at home to Carolina, your final regular season game, to go out in the hand of St. Peter's, uh, that's comical. We'll see if it, if, if it gets to it, but it's been, it's been just a party. It's been a lot of fun with the tournament, man. It has been, you know, and we have one number one seed left. It's, it's March Madness. I'm, I'm not in the business of trying to determine if the Big Ten is bad or all of a sudden St. Peter's Conference is great. It's tough. Hmm. Just, like we, just like during bowl season outside of the playoff games, it's tough to, you know, in a single elimination tournament, make a sweeping judgment. Now, Purdue getting knocked out again after another stellar regular season isn't great, but this is a tournament. It's a, one, it's a single game elimination where anything can happen. And so it's tough to make any sweeping judgments because, remember, the ACC was not a conference that was considered great during the regular season. Uh, They could have three Final Four teams. Jerry Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Speaking of basketball, you've seen Sam Grissell, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. First, you know, what what is Nebraska getting with that train? I mean, you've seen him in person. What's, What's Nebraska getting with him? Well, I think one thing they're getting is something that they've lacked, and that is somebody with some stability and some leadership uh, and some, you know, somebody that's not going to ride the EKG of, of what's happening on and off the floor. Uh, I, I think it's a good addition. I, I think people need to be very careful. And, and Sam had a really good career at North Dakota State, and he played for a coach that knew what role that he could play, and he let him expand. And, you know, Sam had the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he's going he's gonna to be able to play that position but I don't look for him to come in and play 26, 30 minutes, guys. I think you can find a role where he's playing 15 to 20, maybe a little bit more, and he has the ball in his hands. He's able to shoot. He's able to get downhill. He's able to help guys on the floor. You know, I wonder if, you know, what his defense is going to be like when you're facing guys the same size in the Big Ten on a nightly basis. But I think it's an important pickup for Fred Hoiberg. 
uh, everybody's going to say, well, look at what he can do for Nebraska basketball. Guys, it's about the optics. And I think this is a good pickup for Fred Hoiberg because he's going to be something that Nebraska has lacked inside of the walls, leadership. Um, and I, Sam will definitely add that. That's a really good pickup. It actually, you know what, considering everything, it has not been. It's kind of been the offseason that we expected for Fred. People that have left, we knew they were going to leave. People that were going to leave his bench, we knew they were going to leave. Uh, and he's gotten you know, re- reaffirmation of two commitments that are going to be key to next year. So now the next step with Nebraska basketball is get another win. I thought Nebraska got a win when Sam Grissel said, yes, I'm coming home. Gary Sharp's with us, Sale City Radio Weekend. Sharp, are you going to go to spring football in, you know, Thursday's post-practice? We were expecting some sort of read on Fedoni and in, in an injury update, but the the news that's carried into the weekend has been Xavier Betts. You're, you're locked into to Omaha and uh, covered uh, all, all sorts of Metro teams, and, and you saw Xavier's Bell West team, and Reset for us with what you can or are comfortable with, just how you you read this situation, what, how it got to this point. If you if you can, you just give us some some insight. Well, let me. Uh, uh, my partner in the morning here at Omaha sixteen twenty, Damon Benning, uh, he knows Xavier really really well. Um, really, him and his wife helped Xavier a lot in the process from Bellevue West to Nebraska, and, and Damon and I had a long chat on a, a podcast that we have, and I encourage people to go listen to that, and I'll give you some insight into what's going on. You know, so, so Xavier has had his ups and downs, and he is, sometimes we wondered, okay, why isn't, why aren't they using him? Well, come to find out, it's a lot of on number 15, on why he wasn't on the field. Not knowing the plays, they couldn't trust him, uh, they didn't know what they were going to get out of him, they gave him a lot of opportunities, and you know, they, they kept stretching the leash a little bit. But when Mickey Joseph showed up, there was a different Xavier Betts. He was dialed into the craft. He was dialed into the grades. And this, you know, the first part of spring ball, everything was good. And then they go away for a week. And, and you know, you get around people that are not football people. And Xavier doesn't hang around a lot of football players. He hangs around a lot of people that are his age, that are friends of his. And I'm sure during that week, you know, whatever happened, he said, Man, do I really want to go back? He was on a he was on a team. He was with a team meeting on Sunday, and then after that, he was AWOL. They lifted weights on Monday, didn't show up on practice on Tuesday, and then it was announced on Thursday that he was not around. Now, here's the situation: he is not kicked off the team. He's not currently on the team. I don't know the latest guys. I wish I did. They were scheduled to have a meeting yesterday. The door is open for him to come back now. I think he's got to, you know, apologize to his fellow wide receivers, maybe do some other stuff. But this comes down to Xavier, you know, wondering what his place is, his desire to play football. Um, You know, he wants to be more than a guy that wears number 15. He's going through a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of student-athletes, and, you know, regardless of profession, you know, at the students, period, all of us, you know, we're wondering, we're really good at this, and everybody says you got to play football. But what if I don't want to play football? But everybody says, man, you're great. you got to play football. So I think he's balancing a, a lot of different things. But I will say this, and I reiterated this point on our podcast. This isn't a Scott Frost thing. This isn't, oh, boy, here we go, another dynamic offensive player that can't hang out at Nebraska. He's, he's gone. This is not a football head coach thing. I think he has given Xavier a lot of opportunities. This is now on Xavier to kind of figure out his path and if he wants to play football. And 
I don't know, guys. I, 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 my, my initial read on this is I, I think it's going to be tough for, for Xavier to, to follow through and, and play football because it's a grind. and You can't be one foot in and one foot out, especially this year, and especially the position he plays and how important he is to this team. Well, and the new coach and kind of how demanding he is. It's a gr- Look, it's a grind. It's a huge commitment if you want to do this. So I hear you. Like, if it's not for you, like, yeah, you're better off just admitting that and not trying. Um, and, and, here's, and here, let me just but, add one more thing. And you're right, Mark. You know, Mickey Joseph is ideal for a guy like Xavier because Mickey, Mickey doesn't put all the wide receivers into one group on how he relates to them. You know, you talk to a guy like Alante Brown, different inner-city Chicago kid. You kind of understand what he's going through. You understand what Xavier Betts is going through because he's an in-state kid and everybody knows his name, and there's all these expectations after a stellar uh, high school career. It's, it's a balancing act, but, you know, I mean, Mickey is, Mickey's earning his chops. He's had his two top wide receivers walk away from the program already here in the spring. One has come back. You know, you're kind of, for the sake of the fall and the sake for the young man, you hope that the other one comes back as well. Yes, but here's the thing, Gary, and you're right. You don't put this, you don't just pin this on Scott Frost and every player that decides to leave or transfer or whatever, um, they're all individual decisions. They're, they're, you know, individual situations, but (laughs) trends are trends. And for a variety of reasons, Nebraska's four stars, Nebraska's highly touted guys, I mean, the batting average that Nebraska has with those guys is so terrible. Like, they just, for the most part, and some of it's luck. You know, some of sometimes they just get hurt or whatever. But, like, Nebraska gets so little production out of their high-end recruits. And is there some sort of tie that binds? Again, not to put blame, but is there something in the water that Nebraska needs to address because the trends are the trends, man. The, the, the top-end guys don't stay and don't contribute. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Mark. And, and every case is different. You know, the Wandale Robinson is different from the Mo Washington. Um, but I, I think it also, I think it starts almost before they ever get to campus in vetting a prospect and that whole conversation about do you love the game? Do you know what you're getting into when you come to play college football? And do the coaches that are recruiting you, do they have a sense they already know what the culture is like and the demand. Do they know that this kid will translate and have a nice, smooth transition? I think that it goes into a factor is sometimes they misjudge of guys just kind of, hey, they like to play football. Well, you know, this is college football at the University of Nebraska. You have to love to play football or you're not going to make it. So you hope with these things that it's a learning lesson, but partially it's on the prospect and the player. Partially it is on the coaches and the head coach on how we, you know, integrate them into the football program and wrap our arms around them. It's a, it's a, it's not a good look, um, but in this case, I think Nebraska football has given Xavier a lot of opportunity um, to be able to be productive. He just hasn't taken full advantage of it. So I, I hope this has a happy ending because I'm looking at this from the standpoint whether Xavier comes back and plays football for Nebraska. Whatever happens over the next week, 10 days, this is something that is going to impact him five, 10 years down the road. And you would hate to hear the story of somebody who had so much God-given talent that all of a sudden is driving for Uber's Eats in Omaha and doesn't have a college degree. 
that's you just nailed it, Sharpie. It's uh, let's talk beyond football and the the academic side, the college degree side. I mean, that's 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 part of this discussion where you have an opportunity to go to a good school like Nebraska or pick a university uh, because of a, a of a athletic scholarship. You want to be able to to graduate and use that degree beyond football. Flipping it around, uh, you have a guy that was having a rocky time when it came to making a commitment uh, lifestyle-wise with and, uh, and and how he studies in a guy like Yant. And, you know, the last few weeks, in, you know, Yant kind of showed off uh, the trimmed playing weight uh, on Thursday. Sharpie, it really sounds like Yant and his running back coach, um, Applewhite, they've connected, and uh, we've not been able to see spring, but uh, at least uh, the, the sound bites uh, are a really good advertisement here for the new man in the running back room and really a new Yant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good story um, because he's somebody that gets kind of a new life for the position coach who looks at him differently and maybe can – uh, untaps something that Ryan Held wasn't able to do. And, you know, I, I think I, I, I want to be cautious about Yant. Great for him that he's trimmed down and he's got a focus and he wants to be depended on. But until we see it, uh, you know, it's tough to go over the top and go, yep, this is the guy. Because right now, halfway through spring ball, Ramir Johnson is still your number one running back. I think Anthony Grant is what we all thought he was going to be. And then after that, you know, you have the wild card with Gabe Irvin, and you have a guy that I think A.J. Allen's going to play his first year. I think he's going to walk out of high school, he's going to come to Nebraska, and he's going to find his way on the field. So I just rattled off four guys right there. There's probably only one other spot in the running back room that's realistically going to get carries in a tight football game. So good on Yant realizing that. But until we see it on a consistent basis, you get more of the Northwestern game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say good on you but got to see it on the football field when it matters and get on the football field. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Flip over to baseball here in the last few minutes we have with you, Gary. And um, in hindsight, it appears we collectively, all human beings that follow baseball and like Will Bolt, uh, completely overlooked just how much of an influence the nucleus that Nebraska had last year with Schwellenbach, with, with Hagee, with even Roscom, with Hallmark, veteran presence guys um roach povich at the at the top end of your your starting uh starting weekend lineup nebraska really misses those guys right i I think it's as you look at this nebraska program it's maybe that more than anything they're just so unsettled uh pitching staff wise even in the field even the lineup it just doesn't seem like nebraska has anything it can take to the bank Whereas last year you had that in spades. Is that how you'd kind of look at this season so far? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Mark. And it was important. You know, it wasn't the prettiest thing last night at Haymarket, but they won. I mean, they, they need to carry themselves. They got to reset. They need to carry themselves. They are the defending Big Ten champions, and it's their goal to protect that. But the inconsistency in the lineup, um, and, and you peg the guys that they're missing, guys that when you needed a hit, they were going to get you a hit. I think there's another part of, of this team trying to figure everything out and the roller coaster that they've been on. And, you know, one time you think they got the pitching figured out, and then they all of a sudden are stacked with playing seven games in eight days. We also need to throw in there, guys, 
don't you think the impact of Cade Povich handing him the ball every Friday, how huge that was to the program, where it gave you a sense of, we're going to win that game. Now let's start focusing on the Saturday game of this series and how we're going to win that game to go up 2-0. So all of those guys made last year special, and it's been tough to replace them. And I don't think Nebraska thought it would be that difficult, but they need to grab some consistency in that lineup. And if they do, I think in the Big Ten this year, they're still good enough that they can find their way near the top. What you've lost is Nebraska won't be able to host a regional, so that goal is out of the way. But they can still help themselves to get a good seat in the regional. But it's going to take, in a lesser Big Ten, at least finishing first or second. Totally agree with you there. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Sharpie, uh, what's uh, on the docket for you this weekend? Just plenty of basketball. Uh, is that uh, is that the main thing? Well, plenty of basketball. And, and keep an eye on. Um, it's always curious to me, and I, I think this is why Thursday after practice was a news dump. You got the coaches clinic going on in Lincoln and Nebraska uh, scrimmages today in the stadium. So you have some people that have eyeballs on the football program that may say some stuff of things that they observe. Um, so, you know, kind of watch that. But I think it'll be a ho-hum weekend from the football uh, standpoint. I think it's important for Nebraska baseball today to, uh, to get a victory, most importantly to win that series. But other than that, guys, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. And how about this? We're a week away from the Final Four, and then we're two weeks from spring ball, which includes Masters weekend. I mean, spring ball, usually we get really, really excited about it. and We go in-depth. Doesn't it seem like spring ball has just kind of been here? And Nebraska football right now is like the biggest mystery machine in the world. How would you like to write for a preseason magazine where your deadline is like in a week so it can go to print and be in your hand the end of May? Where, where are you going? I mean, you, you don't know much about this team. You're going to write a lot about Casey Thompson and the new coaches probably. That, that is absolutely the go-to because everything else up in the air. Sharpie, be good, man. Thanks for the time today. Hey, thanks, thanks guys, as always. So, yep, there he is, Gary Sharp. Cranach, have yourself a weekend. Elijah, uh, call those balls and strikes accurately, all right? Will do. All right, we'll uh, talk to you on Monday with Hale Varsity. We'll be up at Millard West for uh, for baseball. Uh, take care and uh, find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks.